The notion of a fascist autocratic president taking control of the United States seems less and less like the stuff of dystopian fiction these days, and the growing cultural divide in the country has many pundits and scholars wondering whether the nation can weather this socio-political storm. But what if it doesn't? Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Retcon, a podcast of sordid geekery. I'm Rick Marshall. In the new comic book series Cal Exit by writer Matteo Pizzolo and artist Amanke Noelpan, the rise of just such a president pushes the state of California to the brink, and the state, which would have the world's sixth largest economy if it was a country, decides to fight back. The story follows a pair of California residents who find themselves on the run and unfolds against the backdrop of an occupied state where various factions have emerged to wrest control of the agricultural and economic power of the West Coast. We spoke to Pizzolo about the series, the roots it has in our current national predicament, and what it says about one possible future for our nation in this time of crisis. Mateo, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, first off, uh, the answer to this question seems fairly obvious in a general mm-hmm. sense, but I think it's always worth asking, what inspired you to create uh, the Calexit comet? Um, well, you know, it, it's interesting because we've been working on um, Calexit in the lead-up to the election. It's not so much reactionary to the election specifically. Um, and it's funny because we've had that experience a couple of times where we come up with a project. And when I say we, I mean myself and, and uh, my co-creator, Amankai Nawalpam, who's the artist. And, uh, and when we'll create something, and at the time it seems really outlandish, and then when it comes out, it, people call it prescient, which always makes me really nervous because <laughs> these things are not supposed to be prescient. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, whomever was elected, we have, uh, uh, you know, policies uh, in this country that are problematic. Um, and I think that the having Trump elected president certainly put a, a sharper focus on it for, for a lot of people. Um, and so it, it does change the context a lot. Um, but really what inspired us to do this is we really believe um, that there needs to be, uh, you know, a lot of conversations about changing things, um, you know, our immigration policies, uh, lots of the policies in the country. Um, and rather than being didactic or depressing, we also want to celebrate resistance and dissent. And that's sort of the core message of the book. Um, so so that's, that's basically where it comes from. Well, I think it's really interesting that the comic isn't necessarily about California leaving the Union, but sort of mm-hmm. that process serves as the backdrop for the story that you're telling. Uh, can, can you talk a little bit more about the events that uh, transpire in, in this timeline you've created for, for Cal Exit and where the story picks up? Sure. And I, it's funny because um, I don't know how long that the actual, I, I don't even know if you're aware of this, maybe it's just a California story, but there was a period earlier this year where uh, there was an actual Cal-Exit movement that, that's continually changed, um, but it was about seceding from, the, from America. And that's not specifically what the book is about, and they sort of got pushed together. And what's interesting is, the Calaisian movement itself went away, the, the actual one, but it's actually been restarted. And what's fascinating about it is the way that they are um, sort of reorienting it, the, the new group that is interested in taking this movement forward, they're 
point of view is much closer to the way that we set up the book, which is that it's not so much about California seceding, it's more about the, the friction created when California basically refuses to be governed by a, a demagogue president in, in the book. And so the, the sequence of events in the comic book is pretty simple. You know, a president who, who lost California by millions of votes, <laughs> but still wins, because that's how electoral college works. In this story, he puts forth uh, an executive order, a very draconian policy to deport all immigrants. And California, California doesn't secede, it just refuses to enforce the law. Sacramento says we're not doing that, and we are a sanctuary state. And that creates friction, not just between California and the rest of the country, but within California, because California is actually, you know, it's seen as this liberal bastion, but it is a it's very diverse state. And so you have a, a conflict that takes place within California between the more liberal and progressive metropolitan cities and some of the more conservative <clears throat> rural areas and exurbs and stuff like that. And, of, of course, those areas control a lot of the water and the power and the agriculture in California. So as that conflict rises, the parts of California that are siding with the U.S. government, with the support of the White House, they, uh, they cut off resources from Los Angeles and San Francisco, mainly because those are the most flagrant sanctuary cities in, in, uh, in the story. Um, and it becomes kind of a siege where they won't let them have resources to force them to comply to the new law. So then in reaction to that, and, and you know, this sort of like escalation back and forth seemed crazy a year ago, and <laughs> now it seems like hope this doesn't happen. Uh, certain coastal cities from as far south as Tijuana and then up through California and Oregon and Washington and then up to Vancouver, they form an alliance called the Pacific Coast Sister Cities Alliance. And they provide aid to Los Angeles and San Francisco. And then the president is infuriated, not least of which because Tijuana is part of it, and sends in the National Guard to occupy Los Angeles and San Francisco and force them to enforce the law. And then that sparks a, an armed citizen uprising and soon enough a full-on insurgency of American citizens versus American soldiers. Um, and it's more about that, that escalation and rather than California just declaring war on America. Because, you know, I don't think it's, it's realistic for California to secede, not just because, you know, you can't just leave the United States, but then also not all of California has one political point of view. It is very diverse. I think California is as diverse as the country, and that's what makes it uh, a really interesting state to use as the, uh, as the microcosm of this story that we think is more universal than just about California. Well, that's one of the things I actually found really interesting about the scenarios you're describing in, in CalExit. It's, it's a very complicated culture war that's sort of developed in the U.S., and, and California really does feel like a microcosm for it. There's so many fronts that are sort of competing for interests and things like that. It's not as simple as blue versus red. Does that present some difficulties in, in keeping the story focused, all these different fronts in this culture war that are uh, sort of competing for interest? Um, I think that that's where you know, the, the really exciting part of the, the conflict come from because you have certain groups who are going to be more aggressive, right, and really push things because they want the conflict. And then there are other groups in the middle who are trying to maintain. I mean, basically, Sacramento, in this story, they simply don't want to deport all immigrants. And the White House really just wants them to comply with the law. But then you have these splinter groups who are more extreme, and they escalate it. 
And I think that, you know, that, that is sort of, you know, that's a lot of world history that you have large groups that maybe don't want to get into wars, but have smaller allies who are more likely to create conflict and then they get pulled into them. So it's sort of how a few smaller groups who have a more extreme ideology can set things ablaze and, and it gets out of control and brings in much larger groups that sort of begrudgingly get into conflict with one another. Well, it feels like you did a lot of research into how this sort of scenario might play out. Is that fair? Did you do a lot of research looking at the way things have played out in any similar uh, scenarios in the past? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, there's a long history of comic books and just media in general tackling stories like this. You know, what one of the probably one of the pieces that's most inspirational to, to where we started from is uh, the film Battle of Algiers. But we were also looking at things like the Warsaw Uprising and French Resistance and, and lots of different... It, and, and, and what's going on right now in the Middle East and, and the form of ISIL and, and how these groups come together and, and bring larger larger populations into war based on small ideologies. And, and I think one thing that Amintai and I are both fascinated with, because prior to this, we worked together on Young Terrorists, which is similar subject matter. And, and Amintai also did a book called Clandestino, which is about a freedom fighter. And I think that we both are really fascinated by what's the difference between a freedom fighter and a terrorist? And that's very situational in a lot of cases. Obviously, I'm not saying that that the methods that are used by terrorists are in any way acceptable. Obviously, they're horrible. But they see themselves as freedom fighters. And so fundamentally, what is the difference between a, a freedom fighter and a terrorist? And I think that it's really fascinating for us to look at it in a situation where we have American citizens versus American soldiers and the American occupying forces in the U.S., so it, uh, it, en- it enables us to look at those issues in a different way by pushing the imperialism out of it. So comics had to be produced so far ahead of when they hit shelves. I know this one was announced a while back. Although the story's timeline is set two years after the president's elected, do, do you find that recent headlines are influencing the story's direction as you go? Not they, the headlines don't influence us, but they startle us. <laughs> because, you know, there, there are certain things where each, each day I'll wake up and I have friends who are sort of familiar with the story and that I've been bouncing ideas off, and they're sending me headlines that are that they know are story elements that we thought were kind of crazy at the time. And, you know, when I brought them up, I'll ask a friend, does this sound completely insane that this would ever happen? And then a few weeks later, they're sending me headlines of precisely that happening or, or at least being covered in the news as a possibility. So I wouldn't say that the current news is, is affecting the story because we do have to work so far in advance. But it is, it's startling how much crossover there is so that now it feels more like uh, closer to current events than a futuristic dystopia. Well, how far out do you have the story planned? Uh, do you have an end point in mind? Yeah, we work in sort of a series of miniseries. I guess for you know people who aren't totally familiar with the style, it's kind of like seasons of television where you have an arc. In this case, it's six issues. And then we take a break for the collected book to come out, and then we continue it again. We have a loose map of it going forward. You know, probably about three seasons worth are loose are like mapped out, um, and then the first season obviously is totally finished. But yeah, there's a there's a long timeline ahead of us uh, because were anything like this to happen, it would be pretty messy. It would give us a lot of drama to work with. Well, uh, when can uh, people expect to find the first issue on shelves? Uh, it will be on shelves July 12th, and we're going to be we're going to be doing a tour through California, and that'll be really exciting. Because one thing I've found 
bringing it to Comic-Cons in California is that the audience is very divided on the topic. So it brings up some really fun conversations, and sometimes uh, sometimes people get really excited, (laughs) for better and worse. Um, And it's cool because we have, like, a map, the different territories that are controlled by different groups. So it gives us, you know, different setup for for each town that we go into. So we're really excited. So it'll be coming out this summer. Well, thanks for talking with us, Mateo, and uh, best of luck with the new series, CalExit. Thank you so much, Rick. I appreciate it. That was Matteo Pizzolo, the author of the new comic book series CalExit, which hits shelves in July. This has been Retcon, a production of WAMC Northeast Public Radio. Our producer is Patrick Garrett. I'm Rick Marshall. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or your podcast app of choice. It lets us know you're out there and that you want to hear more. <laughs>